Well, good morning, OneChurch.tv. How are you guys doing today? Fantastic. If you have a seat that is vacant next to you, can you guys yell at us or do something? Because we have people who are needing seats, so we've got, we've got a packed house today. So if not, I uh, want to welcome all you guys who braved actually like being front row uh, so, uh, as I preach to you, I uh, hope you enjoy it. I <laughs> hope it don't stink. So anyway, uh, guys, welcome to OneChurch.tv. My name is Chris, and uh, I am the lead pastor here. We started 10 years ago uh, here in this theater. And uh, the reason why we started is we believe that Clarksville didn't need another church. But what Clarksville needed was a place where people can invite people who are far from God and they can be able to hear the dangerous message, message uh, that you can actually have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So uh, that's the reason why we started. Uh, we're not about a denomination or a label. Uh, we are about Jesus Christ. And the reason why that is because Jesus will change your life. He's changed mine, and uh, I believe he can change yours here as well. We're in the middle of a series entitled, uh, It Starts With One. And uh, we're going to be going through the first few chapters of the book of Acts. Uh, I'm going to be with you today, and uh, for the next three or four weeks after this, Pastor Carlo is going to be uh, preaching uh, uh, Acts 4, 5, and 6. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, uh, but today, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, the very end of it. Now, last week, we looked at something very remarkable that happened. It was the birthday of the church. How many of y'all like cel- celebrating birthdays? Let me hear you. I love celebrating birthdays. I do. In fact, when I go like to the water cooler at work and somebody is singing, what I hear in my head is, I hope it's chocolate for me. I love, I love celebrating other people's birthdays. I don't really like celebrating mine because I'm getting older than dirt. Um, but I love birthdays. And last week we celebrated the birthday of the church. We saw the beginnings of how the church got started. And it happened when the Holy Spirit came upon a group of 120 people that was huddled in an upper room. And uh, something remarkable happened. They began to speak in other languages because there was thousands of other people surrounding Jerusalem that would, had, had come for the Feast of Pentecost. Many of them uh, did not speak Hebrew or Aramaic or, or Greek. And, and they, God gave them this ability of almost like Google Translate, of being able to get out the viral word quick that Jesus had been rose from the dead. So excited about that. Peter gets up. And with no preparation, he preaches the best sermon he's ever preached. Now, that just ticks me off. Now, here's what you need to know about me. I have never, ever gotten on stage without preparing. Uh, I just, I have not. I'm, I'm too scared of what might happen, and I'm, I have too much awe of God. But I work and work and work, and I read and I study, and, and I feel like I get up, and half the times when I get done preaching, I don't even know if I am saved. Um, but when Peter preached his first sermon, 3,000 people get saved. This is what happens in verse 41. Those who believed in what Peter said, they were baptized and they were added to the what? The church that day, about 3,000 in all. I mean, overnight from 120 to 3,000. I mean, what a logistical nightmare. I mean, you, you see this, uh, uh, this group uh, that God ignited and unleashed uh, on them, and 3,000 people began a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Can you and I just be in agreement that that is a lot of momentum? 3,000 in one day. Momentum. That's what I want to talk to you about this morning, is momentum. 
Some, someone who studies leadership as I do, and I read a lot of leadership books, uh, will tell you that you cannot put a price tag on momentum. When you have an organization with momentum taking place, things are moving forward, it is invaluable. Again, you can't put a price tag on that. When you feel momentum personally in your life, when you, it is an unstoppable force. In fact, can you say those words, unstoppable force? Let me hear you. Exactly right. That's what we're talking about today, that momentum. However, when you lose momentum in your life, that is an empty feeling. To be leading an organization that's lost momentum is a very tough and lonely place to be. When something happens in your life personally and you feel you've lost momentum, it feels like you are running or you are jogging in quicksand. You can't make any progress. Some of you This morning, you've lost some momentum in your spiritual life. Maybe you were walking, uh, there was a time in your life you were walking with God and you felt so close to God. I mean, it may have been maybe you were a student and you went to a camp like Big Stuff, which our students, they just got back from. And they were so, they were on such a spiritual high, they felt close to God. And then it just started going downhill and downhill and downhill. Maybe it was when you trusted Jesus, you were moving forward, but today you feel like you're gridlocked, you're standstill, you've lost momentum. Some of you, you've lost some momentum in your marriage. Uh, The romance, the spark, the intimacy, the flame is just barely flickering. So cool what happened to me this morning before our 845 service. By the way, we do have two other services. Uh, just giving you a heads up, I know a lot of you guys couldn't find a place to sit, and some of you are like, uh, you're on the front row, and just to let you know, I, I spit a lot when I talk. Um, but I, I, at 8 o'clock, I did a wedding. This I know you're like, I think I want to leave. Uh, I did a wedding this morning here at the movie theater at 8 o'clock. And as they were reciting their vows, they had tears. They both had tears in their eyes. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, can we all just do that? Oh, and then some of you are like, I want to puke, right? Okay. But it was so cool because you could tell they really meant it because they felt it. They, I mean, the, it, it, it evokes some type of emotional response. But for some of us, you feel like you're barely holding on in your marriage. For some of you, you've lost momentum in your job. Maybe you're a salesperson, or maybe uh, you're leading an organization. Maybe uh, you teach in the public school system. Uh, maybe you just work in the army and you feel like your career was like uh, uh, up and to the right and now it's down and to the left. And you feel like you've lost momentum. For some of you who are salespeople, it used to be that whatever you tur- touch turned to gold. You could sell ice cubes to an Eskimo. And now you can't sell anything. You, you just, you couldn't, it used to be you couldn't make a bad decision, but now you've lost momentum. Some of you, you've lost momentum in a ministry that you were doing. Maybe you were so involved in children's ministry or student ministry. Maybe you used to serve the homeless. And you had purpose and you had meaning and you were fulfilled in your life. But now you're in a dry spell and you're not feeling it and you're empty. And everything you do feels like it's gridlocked and you're at a standstill. You've lost that loving feeling. You've lost momentum. Well, before I go on, let's define what momentum is. And this is kind of a technical definition. But momentum is the amount of force or motion 
and a moving body. Look at those words that are highlighted. Force, motion, moving body. I don't know if you could actually put a measurement of momentum that was achieved at that day of Pentecost, but it would be huge. In fact, momentum. I have right here. Everybody know what this is called right here in front of me? This is called a Newton's Cradle, named after Isaac Newton. And the whole premise of this is when you start the ball going, it hits and it just keeps on going. And it keeps on going. And that is momentum. That is a great picture of momentum. And as I've said, you, I don't think you can put a measurement on the momentum that the early Christians had on the day of Pentecost. But if you did, if you could, I would probably describe it as max Q. Let me describe what that is briefly. Max Q. Max Q uh, is a force in uh, aerospace engineering. Now, some of you are like, I didn't know you were that educated. I'm not. Uh, my, me and uh, Kim and the two boys, uh, we went to Kennedy Space Center uh, over the summer. And uh, we saw all kinds of really cool rockets. The Saturn V rocket uh, we, that, brought, that took the Apollo missions to the moon. We saw the space shuttle, space shuttle uh, Atlantis, I believe is what we saw. Um, we, we saw all these cool Mercury, Gemini programs, and the whole idea of what Max-Q is, they kept on talking about Max-Q in their vernacular, in their vocabulary, and I'm like, what is that? Well, here's what it is. It's the amount of force or motion and dynamic pressure. It's the most momentum you can get. It's the point of aerodynamic stress on a spacecraft in an atmospheric flight that is maximized. Now, that's kind of jargon, but let me kind of explain it this way. If I had a 12-ounce empty can of Diet Coke or Coke Zero, all right? has to be that because I don't drink regular Coke. But it's empty, right? It's this 12-ounce can, and it is going up, and there's this pressure. The atmospheric pressure is coming down on it. It's as fast as it can go before the can starts to crinkle. That's what we're talking about, max Q pressure. It is the most you can get. We see this not only in space shuttles and in rockets, but we see this in sports teams. It's like some teams, they, they, it doesn't matter what they do, they're going to win. Uh, Some football teams get like that, right? Kind of like the Tennessee Titans. Oh, is that, is that too soon? I apologize. All right. Um, Or let's talk about another one. All right. Uh, Usain Bolt. This is a guy who nobody can beat. I mean, he set the 100-meter and the 200-meter world record in running in the Olympics. He had max Q momentum. Or what about this guy? This guy, you know him. Wait for it. Is Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, he is the most decorated Olympian of all time. He has 28 Olympic medals to his name. Now, some of you, like when I do this, I kind of look like him, don't I? Go ahead. All right, I won't do this anymore. I don't want y'all to stumble. You know, some of the ladies and, or some of the men. Um, he won eight gold medals in the 2000 Olympics. And it didn't matter what pool this dude dove into, he was going to win it in 2008. He had so much max-Q momentum. And even in one race, he didn't think he was going to win. He stretched out his arm, and he won. He got the gold. I mean, he had momentum. When you have momentum in your life, it's like you can't lose. And that's the, what I want to talk to you today about 
regaining your spiritual momentum. Now, the first thing I want to say is this, and it's, it's kind of form of a question, and it's simply, has there ever been a time in your life when you were closer to God than you are now? Just let that sink in. Has there ever been a time in your life where you're, you were closer to God than you are now? And if the answer is yes, then you've lost spiritual momentum. And I want to show with you, I want to share with you today how you can get that back. How you can get your momentum going. How you can get it jump-started. Uh, I mean, they were able to have so much momentum that 3,000 people come to know Jesus, and they kept that momentum going. And I want to show you how they kept that momentum going. So much so that 2,000 years later, we're still talking about the church. That there is so much movement. There's so much momentum. There's so much max Q. That the church is a movement, and the movement is still moving. This is what happens. Peter finishes his sermon, and preaching in verse 37 says this. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and the other apostles, that's just a fancy word for disciples, brothers, what should we, what's that last word? Do. In fact, that's one of the things I am asked, I want you to ask today as I finish the message today. What should you do? Every good sermon should come to the point of application. What do I need to do now? We say it this way at one church. What is your next step? And here, these 3,000 people, they're not even believers yet, and they come under deep conviction, and they're moved to do something. They're moved to take a next step. Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we talked a lot about this verse last week, but let me just dig into this, because they were cut to the heart, deep conviction, and they were moved to do something. They were moved to repent. Now, that's a really churchy word, repent. Some of you may have grew up in hellfire and damnation circles and churches, and it was just like you went down front and you prayed every Sunday because you did want to go to hell, right? Well, that's not really so much what repent means. Here's a great definition of repentance. Repentance is a change of mind that leads to a change of heart that leads to a change of direction. You see, repentance is where you change your mind about who you think God is and who you think you are. And once that happens, you change your heart, and that will always lead you to a change of direction. When you start to believe differently, you will become something different, and you will start to behave differently. See, some of you, you are misbehavior, misbehaviors because you're misbelievers. You just need to come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior. These people believed in Jesus. They are changed. They become brand new. We say this in this way today. They become a Christian. They trusted Jesus. And by the end of the book of Acts, we see over 200,000 people put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. That is momentum, people. And it all starts in the next verse. Those who believed what Peter said. By the way, it always starts with belief. You don't have to act a certain way. Like, what do I need to do to be saved? All you have to do is believe. You believe, and then you were baptized, and you were added to the church. About 3,000 people. How did those 3,000 people maintain that momentum? Well, it all really hinges upon what that next verse says, and the next few verses. I'm going to read them to you. Acts 2, 42 through 47 says this. All of the believers, what does it say? 
continually what? Devoted. I want to talk about that in a minute. They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to breaking of bread, sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous sounds and wonders. I, I, wanna, I said this first service, and I want to say this second service. You know, it doesn't say that everybody did miraculous signs and wonders. Every time you read in the book of Acts, when somebody does a miraculous sign and wonder, it always, the reason why God does that is to accompany the message. You see, at this point, they didn't have a completed Bible like you and I do. So how can I know whether or not what you're saying is from God or from somebody else? God always give a sign. Many times it is a miraculous sign and wonder. Acts 14, we're going to be talking about that here in the next three or four months. We'll talk about that. But keep on going. Look at this. They had a sense of they met together in one place and they shared everything that they had. That's the last time that's happened, right? Um, they sold their property and possessions and they shared uh, the money with those in need. And then look at this next part. They worshipped what? Together at the temple each day and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And then look at this momentum. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. The Lord kept adding and adding and adding, and they had that momentum going. This passage describes how you and I can keep the momentum going, or how if you've lost, if you've gotten stuck in your spiritual walk of life, how you can kickstart that. How you can kickstart that. And it all starts with verse 42. They, all the believers continually devoted themselves. Can you say continually devoted? Continually devoted. The word devoted means to be constant at something, to constantly doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over again. Let me tell you, you and I have been sold a lie when it comes to maintaining spiritual momentum, and it all revolves around this word feeling. Feeling. We think that if we don't feel it, if we don't feel close to God, if the worship doesn't give us goosebumps, right? Or if the pastor's sermon doesn't uh, move us to feel something, that there's something wrong with the worship or there's something wrong with the sermon when in fact there's really something wrong with us. That we see the word devoted or devotion and my mind literally goes to that they must have felt something. In fact, uh, Webster's Dictionary defines one of the definitions of devotion is a feelings of ardent love. Now, I don't know what ardent is. But they, it seems like they're feeling something. That's how Webster defines it. But that's not the biblical definition here of this word devoted. Here's the biblical definition found in this verse. It's up on the screen. Devoted. The commitment to a purpose. To persevere. To follow through. And to practice something continually. To keep on following through. And to carry out a plan. To persist obstinately, I like that word, to practice. That's a little bit different than a feeling, isn't it? To practice. It's the same word used to describe a musician that wants to master his or her instrument. They practice their instrument continually. 
playing a piece of music over and over and over so much that they don't even need to see the, the music. In fact, when our musicians play here, one of the things that uh, Justin, our worship leader, is we don't want any music up here because if it's not, if you're having to look for notes, then you've not practiced enough. You've not spent enough time on it enough. And that's exactly what we're, we want you, we want you to practice it so much that you can play or you can sing without any help whatsoever. When I, I was a music major at Austin P, and I, pl- I practiced trumpet. I had a, a music scholarship, and uh, I was uh, in the music uh, rooms, I was in the practice rooms, and I wasn't in the practice rooms as much as my wife. My wife was lived in the practice rooms, uh, and she sang, and she practiced, and she sang, and she practiced, and I practiced trumpet, and then I went to Taco Bell, all right? So, um, but I mean, you, you have to practice and practice, even when you don't feel like it. You got to practice, and that's what we're talking about here. You see, when you put it in that context, feelings have nothing to do with devotion. It's a decision. It's an act of the will. It's a commitment. It is a purpose. If you're going to regain your spiritual momentum, then you're going to have to be consistent and constant, and you've got to leave feelings out of it. You do. If you're going to keep your spiritual momentum going, then you have to stop worrying about the feelings and start doing what you know needs to be done. Stop feeling and start following through. Now, then this next verse, it gives us four things that you can do. So continually devoted themselves to, look, here's the first one, to the apostles' teaching. If you want to keep your spiritual momentum, it's all about the teaching. All the believers continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. It clearly states that the teaching was done by the disciples or the apostles. These are the 12 people who hung out with Jesus for the past three and a half years. So they didn't teach one another. They actually hung out with people who hung out with Jesus. Now here's a question. What... Did they teach? What did they teach? Well, surely, you know, they, they taught the letters in the book of Romans. No, they didn't. Paul was still Saul. He wasn't a Christian yet. None of the letters had been written. Well, surely they taught through Matthew, Mark, Luke. No, the, the Gospels had not been written yet. What did they teach? Isn't it amazing how I can take something so simple and make it complicated? Right? You see, what they taught was the Old Testament, those 39 books found in your Bible. But also what they taught was the teachings of Jesus. They had hung out with Jesus, and that gave them the ability to, hey, let me tell you what Jesus told me. If you want to keep your spiritual momentum, how that happens here is by the teaching on Sunday morning. you got to be consistent. Some of you, like, you'll show up for one Sunday, and then you won't show up for another five weeks. And I'm thinking, is my teaching that good that you can go for five weeks? Without needing it? The answer is nay, nay. I ain't that good, right? So it's just we have to be consistent in learning and getting into God's Word. And where that happens is where you're at right now in our four-year environment at onechurch.tv on Sunday mornings. The second thing, if you want to keep your spiritual momentum, is you got to do life together. Do life together. That's what it says in verse 42. All the believers were continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to, what does it say? Fellowship, exactly right, fellowship. Let's put that uh, verse on the screen if you would. And to fellowship, everybody say fellowship. In the message uh, Bible, it says, it doesn't say fellowship, it says doing life together. And that's exactly what it means. It's the Greek word koinonia, and koinonia simply means common, sharing to being a partner in. And where that happens here at one church 
is in community groups, in small groups. I believe that for most of us, this is where our spiritual momentum fades. It's because, okay, we'll come to Sunday morning, but I don't want to be out on one of those community groups. Maybe I, you know, I don't have enough time, or maybe I'm not an extrovert. I'm more of an introvert. I'm more shy, uh, or whatever it is. And I get that. But we see here in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it is so biblical. They committed themselves to fellowship. And I believe it's one of those things. It's kind of like golf. How many of y'all play golf? Let me hear you. Okay, two of y'all, all right? Y'all are my people, all right? Last time I played golf, I almost killed a person uh, because I teed off, and I heard this smack, and evidently my, my ball had went over the hill and smacked into a person's um, uh, golf bag. I mean, they were standing right next to it. So I, needless to say, I got cussed out. So, But think about this, uh, golf, all right? Golf is a solo sport, Right, uh, and when you watch golf, how many of y'all watch golf on TV? How many of y'all are sickos? All right, some of y'all got that much time. You can watch golf on TV. Think about it. When you watch golf on TV, there's a crowd, and at the center of the crowd stands a solo golfer. The golfer goes up to the tee, he grabs a wood, and he drives the ball. And when the golfer tees off and hits a good shot, everybody does what? Right? If he hits a bad shot, if he hooks or slices, what do they do? <gasps> it's exactly right. It's exactly right. You know what? That's how a lot of people think church is. Is you're out there by yourself, and if you do something good, everybody, come on, do it. Do it. Come on. Good. Golf clap. That's good. But if you fail, everybody at church goes, oh. <gasps> Exactly right. And let me tell you, that's not what the church should be like at all. The church isn't like golf. The church is more like this picture right up here. The church is more like a football team. In fact, here's a picture of the Tennessee Titans. All right. Because evidently, I am humorous. So, I mean, you think about it. Whether or not the team scores in football is more dependent on the team rather than on an individual person. Everyone cheers and everybody gasps, but whether or not the team succeeds is dependent upon the players on the field and how well they run the plays, how devoted they are of practicing and practicing and practicing. That's how Christianity should be played. And that's how life should be played. Let's continue. All the believers were continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper. If you want to... To gain or regain your spiritual momentum, then you're going to have to, this next part, you're going to have to share, share meals together. That happens in community groups. There's just something happens when you hang out and you eat with somebody. Some of you know this if you have a family. Uh, and some of you, uh, you like on 6 o'clock when you eat together, the TV goes off, you get around the table, and you sit together as a family because there's something that happens when you share that meal together. And again, that happens. That family-type atmosphere happens here in the context of community groups. Every week, men and women meet in homes all throughout Clarksville, and they eat a meal together. They eat, they laugh, they learn, they go back for seconds. They have communion they have the Lord's Supper together. Did you know that communion happened first, not in a big setting, but it happened from house to house to house? That's how we do it here at OneChurch.tv. We do communion in our community groups, and we will do them when we get together for our nights of worship. 
And lastly, though, if you want to maintain spiritual momentum, you've got to pray. It's about prayer. All the believers continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to what? Prayer. They prayed for one another. Where does that happen for you? I'll tell you where we try to make it happen, to make it a little bit easier, is up here on the screen. Here's a picture of um, the, the, the text numbers that we put out there. We, uh, we invite you guys to text in a question, and, and that way you can kind of have a dialogue with me as I'm teaching, because we don't want this just to be one way. But secondly, we want you to text in your prayer needs. We got a, a prayer text this morning from somebody from Kentucky. I'm telling you, uh, it is, it, it, we try to make this happen in here, but it's just difficult. Because I don't know if you look around, but it's kind of dark in here, right? And there's these lights on, and I can't see you, you can't see me. Um, but uh, how, where this really happens is in our community groups. For those who are in our Shark Series group together, we prayed for one another. Uh, we prayed for a lady this past Monday a godly, godly Christian lady who's at home today because she had brain surgery on Monday. And we have people uh, loving on her and bringing her meals and caring for her and still praying for her because she is important to God and she's important to us. If you want spiritual momentum, where that happens is in community groups. We believe in the ABCs of community groups, accountability, belonging, and care. We believe that when you're a part of a community group, that you will grow further, faster, that life is better connected. It's our, one of our, our, our core values, and it's our, core, it's our big idea today, that life is better connected, people grow further, faster, together. Life is better what? Connected, people grow, let me hear you, further, faster, together. You want to grow? You want to grow further faster? You want to maintain that spiritual momentum? Then you're going to have to do that together. Last verse, this is Acts 2.46, says this. They worship together in the temple each day. That's what we're doing today. We're worshiping, not in the temple. We're meeting in a movie theater. But we're, we're, we're worshiping together in a large group setting. But look at what happens after that. Then they what? Met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals in, those, in that home environment with great joy and generosity. And then look at the momentum. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Life is better connected. What this is, is you want to be consistent, you want to get this momentum, you've got to be consistent on Sunday mornings. But then you've got to hook up relationally with a community group. Some of you guys, think about this. Think about how your life would be different if 8, 10, 12 years ago, when you made the dumbest mistake of your life, if you had godly people in your life to say, is that really, do you think that's the wisest choice? Not around people that would go, but people would go, hey, let me come alongside of you. I, I don't know, I know you're hurting. I know you're struggling. I can be there for you. Some of you, you're just, you are one life-changing Something happens bad in your life away from just falling out of church altogether and abandoning your faith. And it has nothing to do with how well I preach on Sunday mornings. It has everything to do with whether or not you're connected with another individual because life is better 
connected, you will grow further faster. And how that happens is in community group. Now, what is a community group? Well, a community group is a group of 12 to 16 people. Sometimes they're couples. Sometimes it's just men. Sometimes it's just women. Sometimes it's singles. We have college groups. We have young professional groups. And they meet together for about a year. And it's the same people over and over and over again. They create a predictable environment. So that when you show up, you know those people are going to be there. And you don't want to always have new people coming in. The reason why we do that, because if you always have new people coming in, then when you show up with your spouse angry at you, you're not going to be able to share it in group because you don't know the people over there. You don't trust them. That's what happened to my wife and I. About seven, eight years ago, we're leading a group, and I show up, and my wife is like, all right, ladies, I, listen, I know we were supposed to do group together. I cannot stand to look at him right now. <laughs> we're going somewhere. So they chose Chili's, and they went uh, to Chili's, and they hung out over molten chocolate cake. Dear Lord. All right? And then the guys, we all went to Steak and Shake. Like, we got the raw end of that stick. Hey, but you know what happened? The, the, Kim shared about her frustrations with me, and I shared about my frustrations with Kim, not maliciously behind each other's back, but just to show that, you know what, we're real people. I, we have real struggles. Um, and when, 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 we, when we started sharing and opening up, guess what other people did? You know what they started doing? Sharing and opening up. Because that's what doing life together is all about. If you want spiritual momentum, guys, I, I, I love what we do on Sunday mornings. I do. I mean, some of y'all, y'all are kicked back. You're relaxed. It looks like somebody needs to bring you some like a, a virgin pina colada because this is church. I mean, come on, right? Um, but I mean, you guys look uh, happy. You look, and that's great. But what, what's going to sustain you once you leave here? When, 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 when the bottom drops out of your life, who are you going to call? You're welcome to call me, but some of you, I, I don't know you. You don't know me, I'll, I'll, I'll try to be there for you, I, I really will. But at the end of the day, our, our core values of our, of our small group ministry is we believe you receive the best care from the people who know you best. I tell you, one of the things I love to see happen is when I hear somebody it was in the hospital. Uh, I'll tell you, give an example. Gary and Sarah Murphy. Uh, uh, Sarah uh, recently had a baby. So I showed up at the hospital and uh, found out that the, the day before, their entire men's group showed up and like descended on that room. And it just, it, it needed the smell of testosterone. It just did, okay? And they loved on Gary and Sarah so much better than I ever could. That's what we're called to do. That's doing the one another's of the Bible, loving one another, encouraging one another, and serving one another. And partnering with one another. Are you willing to do that this morning? As you leave, we got no other tables set up except group link tables. And my challenge to you is for you to go and you find a group. We have couples groups. We have men's groups that meet on a Wednesday night. We have a, a women's groups. I think believe, I believe they meet on Tuesday nights. We have a, a, a Monday night group for couples, a Tuesday night group for couples, a Thursday night group for couples. We have a group called Turning Point that happens on Saturday night at 6 o'clock. They meet at the church offices. If you're struggling with addictions or things of that nature, it's a great, great group for you to get involved in. We have college groups. We have singles groups. But if you want to get out of the rut that you're in, 
If you want to maintain the spiritual momentum, the, the max Q that you got going, you're going to have to take a step and get into a group. What will you do? These 3,000 people, they ask the same question. What must we do? And I hope it's the same question you asked this morning. Get into a group. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, that we can come to you even when we don't feel close to you, God. Lord, I truly believe that sometimes, well, your word says so, so adamantly over and over and over again that you will never leave nor forsake us. You never walk away from us. If we have a relationship with you, that we will always have a relationship with you. But I really do believe sometimes, God, you remove those feelings of intimacy to see whether or not we're going to persevere, whether or not we're going to continue, whether or not we are going to dig in and to practice and to get into God's word. I pray for all the men and women here today, all the couples, all the singles, all the college students, Lord, that we would be so motivated to, be, to maintain this spiritual momentum, God, that we would get into a group and that we would continually devote ourselves to teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. We love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Guys, I'm going to ask you guys to stand up. And I'm going to ask you to go be the church. Go get into a group today. Don't tarry. Thank you, guys.